You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, I want to mention a few things real quick before we jump into God's Word. First of all, this Friday, you probably heard, you may have heard, uh, is our West, the Westmoreland Night of Worship at the Palace Theater. You might be thinking, I'd really like to go to that. That would be awesome. I didn't get tickets yet. We're already sold out. So uh, if you didn't get tickets yet, I'm sorry, but uh, they, we are maxed out. What I would ask you to do, though, if you could do this for me, would you please be in prayer? This Friday has been a year, over a year, really, in the process. We've got churches from around the county coming together. It has been a remarkable thing to see the relationships that have been established across denominational lines and different churches and all of that. And I believe God is gonna do something powerful in this moment. Um, Jesus' one prayer in John 17 was that we would be one. And uh, I think this is gonna be an amazing declaration to our county that it's not about us building our kingdom. It's about building the kingdom of God and we are one. We might have different styles and approaches and liturgies and all of that stuff, but ultimately we are one. So would you just keep that night in prayer that God would use that to, to, to speak to our county, 350,000 people that live in Westmoreland County, to see this isn't about a competition thing, this is about a partnership thing, that we are working toward the same goals. Uh, last thing, uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through a series called Living Proof. We're walking through the book of James. Uh, we went through James chapter 1 and chapter 2 and uh, James chapter 3 and uh, over these last few weeks, we've been talking about James 1, the, the, the place that pain plays in our own growth, our own journey. Two weeks ago, Pastor Lance talked about uh, the idea that faith without works is dead, that it's not just about a faith of thought or word, but it's a faith of action. And uh, last week, if you weren't with us, we went through James chapter 3 and talked about how little things can make a lasting difference and, and the power of our words. I just want to mention one thing. Some of you might know uh, a guy named Bob Weaver. He's a, an artist here, goes to our church, and he's a legend around these parts. I just have to say a big thank you. Last week, um, I tried getting a horse, um, because the illustration, James 3, if you go back and read it, uh, is of a horse, and uh, I tried getting it, and he, at my life group this week, by the way, if you're not in life group, you're missing out, but he made this. Isn't this amazing? So, like, I can ride a horse to work now. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go down Pennsylvania Avenue in my little horse, uh, listening to my country music. That's what you do. And uh, anyway, thank you to Bob for that. I'm going to move this over here because I'll break it and that wouldn't be good. But thanks to Bob for, for doing that. Um, and uh, the next couple weeks, there you go, you can see that. Uh, the next couple weeks, next week, we're going to be closing out this series looking at James 5 and the power of prayer. Maybe you're here and you'd say, man, I really need prayer. I need God to do a miracle in my life. We are a church that believes that God is still active and moving, that God still does the supernatural miracles, and uh, we're going to be talking about that next weekend. So if you uh, have someone that you know needs prayer or, or you need prayer, make sure you're here next week when we're talking about the power of prayer, that, that prayer offered in faith can make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. So we're going to be talking about that. Today, I want to talk about something that sometimes maybe irritates you. Um, in my life group on Wednesday night, we were talking about our pet peeves. I don't know if you have a pet peeve, but, but one of uh, some, some people, this is a pretty common pet peeve, are know-it-alls. Do any of you have a know-it-all in your life? You, someone that, uh, if you have young children, your hand should be raised because they're all know-it-alls. 
We don't like know-it-alls, do we? Uh, teenagers are great at know-it-alls. Toddlers are great to be know-it-alls. For we know we probably have people in our workplace that you know this person that has absolutely no idea what they're talking about, but they know everything about everything. Uh, know-it-alls are frustrating. They're irritating. But if we were honest, we've all been know-it-alls ourselves at some point. Uh, you know those moments where you tell people who actually are trained in a certain area or field what to do? I'm sure we've done that. You've done it maybe. I've done that. Maybe to your mechanic or to a doctor, a person working on your house or, or fixing something or, or maybe a person doing your taxes. We love to tell people what to do even if we don't know what we're doing. And uh, what I've noticed about my own life as I look back over the years I've lived is that the younger I was, the more of a know-it-all I was. When I was younger, I knew more than I ever knew know today. I remember one time, I was probably seven or eight years old, we had this huge station wagon. You know, the classic wood-paneled station wagon, you can fit 20 people in the back, <laughs> has the backward-facing seat in the back, you know what I'm talking about? We had that big thing, we called it the barge, it was massive, it was gigantic, especially at that age, it felt like we were driving a bus. Well, uh, someone had given us this station wagon, and it had broken down. And it's sitting in the driveway, and I'm, like I said, seven or eight years old. My dad tried to get it running and everything. Nothing was working. But as a seven-year-old, I knew what I was doing. So I asked my dad for the keys. He gave me the keys. I don't know why. He gave me the keys. And I went out into the driveway, and I decided I knew what I was doing. I was going to turn this thing over. So I sat there and just turned the key. Nothing was happening. It wasn't even clicking. I mean, it was like nothing. It was dead. And I thought, had this thought in my mind, if I put the car in drive, maybe that will kick it into gear, Right? I was well-trained, as you could tell. So I'm sitting at the key in the key ignition. I go to put it in drive. Little do I know, because I'm seven, I can't really see over the dashboard. I missed drive by one notch and hit neutral. So our driveway was a little bit of a hill. I get it in neutral, thinking I'm in drive. I turn it over, and all of a sudden, like, I'm moving. I'm like, maybe it worked. Um, <laughs> no, it didn't work. I, we started drifting. I started drifting. I was by myself. started drifting back the driveway toward the street, toward uh, the neighbor across the street's giant uh, retention wall. And fortunately, my dad saw, my mom saw what was happening, ran out the front door, stopped the car before it hit our neighbor's wall. I was mortified. It was crazy. It was the day I learned I'm not called to be a mechanic. <laughs> but have you noticed that? Like the younger you are, the, the, the more you think you know. The, the younger we are, the more we think we know. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why do you think that is? Why is it like young children or teenagers or, or even young adults, the, the, more they, 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 the younger they are, the more they think they know. I believe it's because they don't know what they don't know. They have no idea what they don't know. Uh, they've maybe lived five years on the earth or 10 years or 15 or 20. They don't even know what they don't know. And when I went to my freshman year of Bible college, uh, I'm you know, 18, 19 years old, I had one goal in mind. My goal was to graduate from Bible college with a bachelor's degree in three years. Get out of there as fast as I could. Here's why. I was a pastor's kid. I've been around ministry my entire life. I already knew what I was doing. I just needed the piece of paper to give proof to it. That, that's, what I, that's all I needed. Just give me a piece of paper that says I already know what I know, and then we're good, and we'll move on. Something interesting happened as I went to Bible college. That The more, longer I was there, the more I started to realize I really don't know. In fact, I, I graduated from Bible college in five years, not three. Gra yes. Graduated with a bachelor's degree, two associate's degrees. And, and now being in ministry, full-time ministry as a pastor for over 15 years, I've started to realize something. The more I've been in ministry, the longer I've done this, 
the less I know. I don't have any idea what I'm doing. <clears throat> I don't know if you've been to that place. This is, this is true. And, and this is what's important. It's because the more you know, the more you learn you don't know. Have you noticed that in your own life? The more you know, you start getting more information, more knowledge. You realize, oh my goodness, there's even more that I don't even know. And, and this principle can present a big problem in so many areas of our life. See, this is why there's no, uh, there's no handbook on how to be a parent. Because if you knew what you didn't know, you would never bring that baby home. If, if you knew like all the stuff you didn't know about being a parent, that baby would stay at the hospital the rest of its life. You'd never bring it home. Uh, or this is why like on a commercial airline, they don't start going through their whole, if the cabin air pressure drops and the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself, that whole spiel. They don't start that until the plane starts moving. You know why? Because if you knew that before you got on, you might get off. Once they're moving, you're stuck. Hey, or, or this is why the Bible says, the Bible says this, that, that, that God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It says that. It doesn't say that it's in a roadmap for our entire journey. Because God illuminates the next step, not all the steps ahead of it. Because if we knew all that God had in store for us, we might never take that journey. Sometimes not knowing can be a good thing. Ignorance is bliss. The problem is when, when we're ignorant and don't even realize it. This is when we can get ourselves in college. In college, uh, my last year, I was the student body president. It was such a cool thing to be part of and to, to, to lead. And one of the responsibilities of our, our, our that student government association that I was part of, one of our responsibilities each year was to do this big bonfire. And we do it right in the fall uh, semester of the year. And uh, I had tasked one of the guys on my committee, his name's Mike, with the job of getting the bonfire physically built, okay? So he reached out to our grounds crew on our campus, and they started collecting wood and branches and stuff that had fallen all over the campus and, and, and started to build this giant teepee. What we didn't know, uh, we were planning to do this ourselves, but what we didn't know is they also soaked all of the wood in kerosene. Now, kerosene is different than gasoline. Gasoline is explosive. Kerosene burns slower. So uh, what we had researched, that was a good thing to soak the wood. We didn't know they had soaked the wood, though. So Mike was planning on soaking the wood himself in kerosene. So the day of the bonfire, we're, the, the big teepee, huge thing of wood is built, and we're down there in the backside of our campus getting ready for this big bonfire. Mike has this big can of kerosene. And he dumps all the kerosene all over the wood so it's ready to soak by that evening or, or shortly after that. He gets it all soaked. And then he has this makeshift torch he made. So it was basically a roll of paper towels on the end of a giant stick. <laughs> and he so this is what you do in college, a Bible college, I guess. Um, uh, and for those of you who think you can't have fun when you're sober, this is proof. You're going to find out. <laughs> We, he soaked the roll of paper towels in, uh, in the kerosene. He uh, then walked about 10 or 15 feet away from the bonfire. What he didn't realize was he was dripping kerosene the whole way. He's standing about 15 feet away. I'm standing right next to the big pile of wood. And I'm waiting for Mike to light his torch, and then I'm going to back away. So he lights his torch. Within seconds, the fire followed the trail, drip trail he had on the grass, hit the pile of wood that was now double-soaked in kerosene, which we didn't know, and it went up 50 feet. Now me, I fell backwards. My hair was singed. My eyebrows and eyelashes were gone. I was just shocked I wasn't on fire. I, I, I'll tell you this. 
that was a, uh, it was a bonfire and no one would ever forget. It took over 30 minutes just for someone to get close enough to like roast a, mar- roast a marshmallow or a hot dog. It was crazy. And this is where not knowing what you don't know can be very dangerous, isn't it? Not knowing what you don't know can be dangerous. And this can be difficult sometimes. And uh, here's, here's what I want to talk to you about. James, in his letter that he writes to the early church, in James chapter 4, he talks about the danger of not knowing what you don't know. And, and he, he shares about how ignorance can actually result in arrogance about the things you don't even know about. Here's, here's what James would write in James chapter 4, verse 13. Here's what he said. He said, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, James here in James 4 isn't, isn't saying it's bad to plan. He's not saying, like, you put money in retirement, you're evil. You're a horrible person. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about the, 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 the importance of not planning or just flying by the seat of your pants. What James is talking about here, what he's trying to illustrate, is, is this idea that life is such a vapor. And so often, we, we lean into our own understanding, our own knowledge, what we think is true. And he's saying, you shouldn't lean into your own knowledge. You need to lean into God's knowledge, what God is speaking. That it's not a matter of doing whatever you think, but a matter of being obedient to what God speaks to you. Being obedient to what the Holy Spirit leads you. You see, it's, it's not a matter of, of, of gaining more information. It's not a matter of researching more information. Not that that's bad. Those are all really good things. But, but ultimately, where our, lives end up, where our lives end up is a matter of our obedience to what God speaks. Our ability to listen to the voice of God and be obedient to it. That's why James closes out this section with really his big point. If, and if you've been reading through the book of James or if you've never read it, it's only five chapters. It's a very short book. Uh, each chapter, pretty much, he kind of has a main idea, a main point. And he has like this one sentence that kind of punches you in the face or, or gets to the point. Here's his main point in James chapter 4. Here's what he says in verse 17. He said, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and don't do it, it's sin for them. I know this sounds odd because we oftentimes think of sin as the things we should not do. Like we need to stop doing these things or not do these things. But he's saying it's also equally wrong to know the right things and not do them. That, 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 that it's actually wrong if we know the things that we should do and we don't do them. This, this idea of obedience it not simply about not doing the wrong things. It's about doing the right things. This is referred to as the sin of omission. Not doing the right things. You see, we can easily boil this entire journey of faith down to some list of rules, of, of, of don'ts, of things that we need to keep. All these things that we need to stop doing or not do at all. But the reality is, following Jesus isn't about not doing things. Following Jesus is actually about doing the right things. And we get so wrapped up in not doing things that we forget about doing the right things. When we're talking about following Jesus, we don't need to get wrapped up in the not doing things if we focus our attention on the doing the right things. And this is the simple thought, simple idea I want to share with you guys in these few moments today. But when we obey, 
When we are willing to obey, God leads the way. When we obey, when we're listening to the voice of God and we obey, God ultimately leads the way. And in fact, the Apostle Paul mentions this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what he says. He said, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So he's saying, if you just do whatever you think is right, or if you just do what seems right to you, you could actually be running in contradiction to what God wants, what he's made for you, what he has for you. He says, they're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's he getting at? He's writing to the Galatians here, and he's talking about, don't get so wrapped up in the law. Because as a Jew in the first century, the law was everything. Following the rules, following every little jot and tittle, every little piece of the law. And that was so important. He's saying, it's not about the law, it's about living life by the Spirit. Listening to what God is speaking and being obedient to that. And if you're willing to do that, the rules, the law are necessary because you're focused on doing the right thing, not so obsessed with not doing the wrong thing. And we listen and obey, we get to see God do more in and through our lives than we could ever see happen simply by following some list of rules. <laughs> we could get to see God do things that, that, that we never even thought are in the realm of possibility. That's what God wants to do in your life. Not, not, not like check off a, a box or a list of rules. It's because our view, when we're walking in our view, our, our perspective of what we're facing and what we're doing, our view is so very narrow it's narrow of the scope of our lives. This is what James is trying to get at here in James 4. If you just say, I'm going to do this or that, you don't even know what you're talking about necessarily. Why not lean and trust the one who does? When we listen and obey, we lean into the one that does know and honestly knows better than we ever will. I'll give you an example. In, in James chapter 4 earlier in verse 6, this idea of obeying and God leading the way. He makes this statement. He said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. And usually we think of that statement in the context of humility, of pride. And, and those are a part of it. But when you look at the whole chapter of James 4, what's he getting at? He's talking about this arrogance about knowing what is happening. God opposes the proud, meaning he literally stands in the way, obstructs you, blocks you from experiencing whatever you think you're going to experience. You're like, I know what I'm doing. What we are is we're, doing, we're becoming know-it-alls to God. God, I know better. God, I know what I'm talking about. And just like we do to a five-year-old, you're like, you have absolutely no clue. You, you, you have five years of experience on this earth, and you think you know everything. My son, he's five. He is wonderful. He's intelligent, and I love him deeply. He knows everything about everything. He knows how to build a house. He, he knows how to play an instrument. He knows how to drive a car. He knows everything. Uh, why? Because in his five years of life, he, he thinks he does, but he doesn't even know how much he doesn't know. And, and when we're arrogant, God is opposing us because we're going to run ourselves off a cliff. But then it says, but he gives grace to the humble. What does that mean? He leads the way. He pushes the obstacles out of the way. Because he leads us. He gives grace, empowers us to do what we could not do on our own when we're willing to be humble. Humble in what way? Humble to recognize that it's God's will, not my will. It's what God wants, not what I want. 
You see this in scripture, in, in the first part of the Bible, known as the Old Testament, the story of Jonah. And, and maybe you know the story of Jonah, and most people, what they know about the story of Jonah is he was swallowed by a whale. Well, the Bible doesn't say a whale, but it, it was a great fish. And, and that's not actually the point of the story of Jonah. Uh, that's not the theme of this story. The big theme of Jonah's story was that God spoke to him, and he didn't obey what God had spoken. His great sin wasn't doing something wrong, it was actually not doing the right thing. It was the sin of omission. And the moment Jonah finally gets it, Jonah steps out in obedience to what God spoke to him, and he sees God do more through his life in the city of Nineveh than Jonah could have ever done on his own. God did remarkable things through Jonah's life because he was obedient. That when we can obey, God ultimately leads the way. Maybe following God's voice for you is really difficult because it scares you to relinquish control. But what James is trying to communicate here is the control we think we have is actually a fantasy anyway. We think we control. We think we have control over our lives. But we don't because we don't know the outcomes. Why not trust the one that holds the outcomes? Why not follow a God-sized word to experience a God-sized result? Obedience doesn't just demand our listening, but as Pastor Lance said a few weeks ago, it demands our action, that we're willing to act upon it, that we're willing to do something with it. As the worship team comes today, this can unfortunately be incredibly difficult to act upon what God speaks in obedience. I believe, I believe very strongly that, that it's time as followers of Jesus that we stop dictating our lives as if we know all the outcomes and, and, and the outcomes before us and step out in obedience. There are things I believe God is wanting to do in your life that you're, not, that you're gonna be robbed of because you're paralyzed by indecision. If we could just step out in obedience and do what we know we should, we'd see God lead the way toward remarkable things. And I believe this so strongly that the great sin of omission isn't just a sin against yourself for you're robbed of what God wants to do in your life. I believe the sin of omission is a sin against the world and they are robbed of what God wants to do through your life in that world. When we're willing to listen to the voice of God, when we're willing to identify what is God doing in my life, how can I be obedient to that? Not what do I want to do all the time? What God wants to do ultimately will fulfill what you want to do. The Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. As we draw near to him, he transforms our heart and the things he wants to do through us ultimately will bring glory to him and fulfill our passions, our wiring. It's about listening. And when we obey, we're willing to obey, God leads the way. You can read throughout this entire book called the Bible, beginning to end. Maybe you're like, well, I don't wanna just read the Bible. Okay, you can read throughout all of church history, thousands of years of history, and you see that very principle lived out time and time again by men and women of faith. As they obeyed what God spoke to them, God would lead the way and do impossible, remarkable things. And I believe that for some of you today, God is leading the way already. You don't even realize it. He, he's led you to this place this morning for a reason. Because there's something he wants you to do. 
I believe for some of you, maybe, maybe he led you this way because of a difficult time in your life and you found your way into church or, or maybe it's because someone invited you to church or, or maybe because of a really good moment and, and you came to church or for some of you watching online or listening to this podcast, there are a lot of different ways that God has brought you to this place. But I believe God has brought you to this crossroads today for some of you because today is gonna be the day that you relinquish control. Today is gonna be the day you say, I can't do this on my own. I've been trying to make this happen all by myself. Today, God, I'm gonna step into your purpose. Today, you're gonna be in the driver's seat. God, today you lead the way. I'm gonna be obedient. I wanna live my life the way you wired me. Book of Psalm chapter 139 says that God formed us in our mother's womb. He fearfully and wonderfully made us. That all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to be. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. For some of you, you've been trying to do that plan and purpose all by yourself and and it's failed and it's been frustrating and discouraging and depressing and and you've tried so many different ways and tried to fill voids with so many different things. And today is a day to say, God, I relinquish control. God, forgive me of my past. I step in to your purpose, your plan. Lead Lead the way, God, I'm following. That's where some of you are today. And I don't want to move on from this moment without giving you a chance to take that step. Not a physical step, but a step nonetheless. If you could bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you that even when we aren't even aware, you're leading us. God, I pray for those that are here today. God, that for whatever circumstances or means, Lord, you've brought them to this place for this moment, for this crossroads. To make a choice, a decision. To obey what you're speaking or not. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would begin to speak. As you're continuing to pray this morning, maybe you're here, you'd say, Nick, I've never taken a step to commit my life to Jesus. Meaning, commit to say, I want to follow God's way for my life. I, I, I recognize that God can forgive my past and all the mistakes I've made, and I want to follow his plan, his purpose for my life. If that's you this morning, you've never taken that step, or maybe you took that step and you've walked away from it. And today is a chance to say, today I'm following Jesus. Today I'm going to be a new creation a new person in Christ Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. That's the act of your will. That's that step of faith. If that's you, on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen, 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 amen. Anyone else today? Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. And ask everyone to pray this prayer with me together, whether you raised your hand or not. We're part of the family of God. We do this together. And as I lead this prayer, this isn't a magic prayer or anything like that. It's simply a conversation with God that I want to lead you guys in. And for those of you who raised your hand, I want you to speak these words, not as like empty words you're reciting. I want you to speak these words from your heart to God, just between you and Him. My hope is this is the first of many conversations that you can have with God as you share what's on your heart with Him. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for leading me to this point. In this moment, I give up control. Lead me. Forgive me. I commit to live for your purposes. I accept your forgiveness through Jesus. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name.
This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.